This is a story from the land of Nod. Hi, my name is Annie and I create everything that you see and hear here at Land of Nod. If you would like to support the work that I do, please consider going to patreon.com forward slash land of Nod learning. Thank you. Jason and the Golden Fleece In ancient Greece, many, many centuries ago, a certain king named Aeson might have been seen wandering among the mountains with his young son, Jason. He had been driven from his throne and from his kingdom of Alcos by his cruel, power-hungry brother-in-law, Peleus. After they had trudged many a long mile over marshland and crag, up mountains and down steep valleys, Aeson had to carry his son on his back, and he was a very weary man indeed, when he at last arrived at a cave at the foot of a mighty cliff where Chiron lived. Now Chiron was a centaur, and like all centaurs, he was a man down to the waist, but below he had the body of a noble horse. And Chiron was wiser and kinder than anyone in the whole world. His white hair fell over his big shoulders and a long silvery beard half hid his massive chest. Aeson left Jason with Chiron to be looked after and to be brought up in the way a young prince should be brought up and to be taught all the things a young prince should know. He knew Chiron would treat his son kindly and protect him with his life. Chiron was the finest player of the harp. He was the best archer. He sang the most beautiful songs in the world. He could tell wondrous tales of the olden times and his skill with a spear and a sword was unsurpassed. The boy Jason was full of admiration and respect for this amazing teacher and so here, with many other heroes and princes, he grew up to be a strong, handsome young man, well versed in the arts of singing, dancing and playing the harp and skilled too in hunting, riding and wrestling and also in the art of medicine and healing. But soon the time had come for Jason to leave the cave of Chiron and to set out to challenge the wicked Peleus for all the wrong he had done to his father Aeson. So, bidding a sad farewell to his wise master, with a spear in each hand and a leopard skin flung over his shoulder, he set forth on his long travels. On his feet were a pair of richly embroidered sandals, tied with slender golden straps, which had once belonged to his father. One day, as he reached the foot of a lofty mountain, he arrived at a raging torrent of a stream, swollen by heavy rains. An old woman with a peacock on her shoulder stood on the edge, not daring to cross. Jason remembering Chiron's words that the strong must always help those in need, and although himself hesitant to step into those turbulent waters, offered to carry the lady across. The old woman was no lightweight, and Jason had to struggle furiously with the current dashing around his legs as he stumbled against the trunks of the trees uprooted by the mighty surge of the waters. His sandal feet kept sticking in the muddy bed of the stream, and just as he was about to reach the other side, one sandal left his foot, 
to be carried away downstream. Alas, there was nothing he could do. Heaving a sigh of relief, he put the old lady carefully down. But to his astonishment, he saw that she had changed into the greatest of all goddesses, Hera, the wife of Zeus. With a promise to help him wherever he went, she vanished into thin air, leaving Jason standing there, drenched to the skin with only one sandal and breathless with wonder. Limping wearily on, he came at long last to the city of Olcus. People stopped in the streets to stare at this strange and handsome young man with his leopard skin. But when they looked at his feet, they began to whisper, Look, he only wears one sandal. The whispers grew to a murmur and very soon you could hear one single cry from all sides. The man with one sandal has come. The man with one sandal has come. Now, when news of this mysterious stranger reached the king, he was overcome with fear. For it had been foretold that one day a man wearing only one sandal would come and reclaim his father's kingdom. However, the king made a great show of welcoming this stranger and bid him come to the castle for a great feast, telling Jason when he arrived, You are the very man we have all been waiting for. For the king had something else on his mind. He wanted this brave and strong young man to travel to the deepest, darkest part of the world and bring back the Golden Fleece. Now, Jason knew all about the Golden Fleece. It was the most coveted treasure in the whole world and had been shorn from the back of a golden fleeced ram. It was said to hold tremendous magical powers, but now it was guarded by the fiercest and most terrible dragon in the whole world and hung on a tree in his garden. Many brave warriors had tried in vain to rescue this fleece and now this trickster king wanted Jason to go and find it. Jason, however, was very clever and he had a sneaking suspicion that this king was trying to get rid of him for good. But at that very moment, he heard the voice of Hera, that great goddess he had met at the riverbank, whispering to him. Do not worry, Jason. Be not afraid. I will help you. Jason turned to King Peleus and said, Yes, your highness. I will go and attempt to rescue the Golden Fleece for you, but on one condition. Yes, brave warrior, King Peleus replied. Anything you wish. If I return the fleece to you, you must return to my father the kingdom that you stole from him. Yes, yes, I promise, the king replied, nodding his head graciously. But deep inside, the king was smiling slyly as he thought to himself. Now I have trapped you, dear warrior. You will never return alive from the dragon's lair. The first thing Jason had on his mind when he woke next morning was to go and seek some wise advice. And he knew just where to go. On the edge of a nearby forest, there was an enchanted tree known as the Talking Oak. The tree was over 100 feet high and had sat in the forest for many hundreds of years. And over these years, the tree had collected more wisdom than 10,000 men put together. 
Jason kneeled at the foot of the tree. Oh, great talking oak, he said. Please tell me what to do. Through the great rustling of the oak leaves, Jason heard a deep and clear voice speaking to him. Go to Argus, the shipbuilder, and tell him to build you a boat with 50 pairs of oars, the oak said. Jason bowed his head and thanked the wise old tree, and then hurried as quickly as he could to the shipyard, where he soon found Argus, the great shipbuilder, who set to work immediately. When Jason's huge ship was finally built, he named it the Argo, in honour of its great builder. People came from far and wide to admire it, for no ship so large and heavy had ever been built before. Then Jason went once more to ask the advice of the talking oak. This time, it told him to hack off one of its boughs and to have it carved into a figurehead for the Argo, to sit at the front of the ship and guide it on its dangerous journey. When it was finished, Jason was surprised to hear a voice coming from the mouth of the figurehead. Send out messengers, said the voice, to all the heroes and princes who were your schoolmates and playfellows in Chiron's cave and ask 49 of them to accompany you in your quest for the Golden Fleece. So messengers were dispatched throughout all the cities and towns of Greece. Who will dare? cried the messengers. Who will dare help Jason row his vessel and be bold enough to face dangers too terrible to describe and bring back the Golden Fleece to his father's kingdom? Every one of Jason's friends was eager to take on this impossible quest. But Jason could select only 49 who had already proved themselves in dangerous combat. Among them were the mighty Hercules, Theseus, and the twins Castor and Pollux, and Orpheus, who played on his lyre and sang with such haunting charm that the wildest of beasts would sit down tamely before him and stare dreamily into the distance. Now they were ready to launch the Argo down on the beach and it was so heavy that it took a great many men and all the help they could find to get the great ship safely into the sea. Finally, they succeeded and the mighty ship and its brave crew were on their way out of the harbour, rowing away to the shouting and cheering of people watching from the clifftops. The first stop on their voyage was at the cave of Chiron, their old master, who gave him his blessing and good advice. Soon they were to meet their first peril, the dreaded rocks of the Black Sea, which actually moved and crashed into one another, ready to crush all ships who came within their reach. They waited in vain for an opening in the rocks and it seemed that they would never get through. Then suddenly a heron came flying towards the rocks and hovered and soared around for a while as though waiting for a passage through. Jason realised the bird had been sent to them by Hera to act as a guide. They saw the heron fly swiftly through in safety just as the mighty rocks came crashing together and caught a feather from its tail. Then the rocks parted as if broken by the shock of the collision. And now our heroes bent over their oars and with all their might they rowed safely through before the rocks could come together again. And now they rode further and further eastward along the southern shores of the island and after many more breathtaking perils and adventures and many more narrow escapes from death, 
the Argonauts spied in the distance the gleaming gold of the palace of King Aetes in the city of Colchis, where hidden among the woods was the Golden Fleece. When this king saw Jason coming, he rushed down to the shore to meet him. I will try and let you claim the Golden Fleece, said King Aetes. But first, you must pass some challenges. First, you must tame two fire-breathing bulls and plough two acres of fields with them. Second, you must sow that very field with dragon's teeth. When these teeth start to grow, they will transform into 100 fully armed warriors. And thirdly, you must fight and defeat these warriors before you can attempt to rescue the fleece. Jason looked at this new king and was speechless. How do I make it past all these hurdles before I try to get the fleece? Suddenly, a small boy ran up to him and tugged at his arm. Go quickly to the palace, whispered the lad to Jason, where Princess Medea wishes to speak with you urgently. When Jason saw the princess, he felt very much that he was in the presence of someone who was both very wise and very powerful. He knew also that she wished to help him. Jason, she said, if you trust me and if you are indeed fearless, I can tell you how to tame the fiery bulls, how to sow the dragon's teeth and win the golden fleece. For I am an enchantress and I know all about the old woman you carried across the river. I know about the talking oak and the adventures you have had in coming to Colchis. Jason listened eagerly, quite overwhelmed by the princess's knowledge. Here is a charmed ointment, said Medea, handing him a golden box. If you smear this ointment over your body, the bull's fiery breath cannot harm you. She then handed him a basket containing the dragon's teeth and led him to the field where the bulls were quietly grazing. As Medea left him, Jason tiptoed nearer and nearer the bulls and he could clearly see four streams of fiery vapour oozing out from their nostrils. He halted and smeared his body with the enchanted ointment and boldly went on. Hearing his footsteps, the bull sprang up with a fierce roar and came charging towards him, their breath scorching the pasture before them. But the heat did not touch Jason, and his heart was brave. Just as the great bulls were about to toss him high in the air, he grabbed one of them by the horn and the other bull by the tail and held them in a grip of iron. And suddenly, they were just like ordinary bulls, breathing in the ordinary way. Jason's courage and Medea's ointment had broken the spell. Jason then yoked the bulls, harnessed them to the plough lying in the corner of the field and ploughed the whole field in the way that his master Chiron had taught him. He then scattered the dragon's teeth far and wide over the ploughed earth and immediately there began to sprout up helmets, then dark, fierce-looking warriors, one for each tooth. They formed ranks and charged as one man towards Jason, brandishing their flaming swords. Pick up a stone and throw it among them called Medea's voice from the distance. This Jason did, and the stone bounded off the helmet of one warrior and crashed into another's. 
Then there was complete confusion among them, and instead of attacking Jason, they all began fighting amongst one another. And that was how Jason left them. Early next morning he went to the palace of Aetes and told the king that he had tamed the fiery bulls, ploughed the field, sown the dragon's teeth and left the armed warriors killing one another. This put the king in a state of extreme terror for he realised at once that his enchantress daughter had helped Jason to achieve all of this. And now Jason would be perfectly capable of slaying the dragon which guarded the golden fleece. You have not acted fairly, he said to Jason, and so I cannot allow you to try win the fleece. As Jason was leaving the palace, wondering what on earth he would do next, he was stopped by Medea. Jason, she said, my father has decreed that I must be banished from this kingdom for helping you. He also plans to burn your fine ship and to slay all of your men. But if you trust me, I shall help you. Wait for me here at midnight. Jason replied, We will win the Golden Fleece and you will return to me in Olcos where you will be safe. At the appointed hour, the pair made their way stealthily towards the sacred grove where the dragon lay. Suddenly, Jason stopped with a gasp of amazement. There, hanging in a tree, he had caught sight of his first glimpse of the dazzling radiance of the Golden Fleece. So eager was he to see its full splendour that he would have rushed forward only for Medea held his arm. Beware, she warned. Have you forgotten about the dragon? It was at that moment that the scaly black head of the dreaded monster came into view. Its forked tongue darting and hissing as it heard their footsteps. Medea drew out a gold box from the folds of her dress and flung its contents straight into the dragon's steaming mouth. With that furious flick of its enormous tail, the beast surged forward and then fell, motionless. Jason leapt lightly over the dragon's body and pulled the golden fleece from the tree. Then he and Medea rushed back to the ship as all 50 heroes leapt to their oars as Jason held aloft the wondrous golden fleece. Aetes and his men hurled poisoned arrows with rage at the ship, but the Argonauts warded them off with their shields and Orpheus took up his lyre and sang a song of praise to the heroes. And to this sweet music, the good ship Argo sped westwards towards Alcus to claim the kingdom for Jason and his father. The End <laughs>